The Be Free campaign hosts Being Free with Shantanu Kundu, a podcast that looks at mental health, well-being, and making the most of your life. I'm Shantanu Kundu, your host. I'm a student doctor at the University of Liverpool, and I'm also the founder and director of the Be Free campaign, a mental health charity that aims to demolish the stigma behind mental health and promote the free expression of individual values. On today's episode, we have Susie Weaver from So Happy in Town. She's a lifestyle and parenting blogger. Susie has also run a campaign for young minds, where she's raised thousands of pounds and has also had the support of celebrities like Saira Khan. So we're delighted to have her on the show. Please welcome Susie Weaver. Hello. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So, so how's, how's lockdown been for you? Yeah, it's been, I'd say... When anyone asks me that, I say it's just been such a roller coaster. I've had I had days when I thought, yeah, this is actually this is great. This is sort of and I can try all these new things, and 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 then I had days of just I don't know. I feel really anxious, especially when like, at the beginning when I was watching the news and it was sort of a lot of obviously bad news, and I stopped doing that because it really wasn't helping my own mental health. So I was kind of having very up days and sort of then hitting a bit of warm and down days, and I think. From talking to lots of people, I think a lot everyone was feeling the same, weren't they? Definitely, and I think you know there's been so much going on with this this whole pandemic. You know, we've had protests as well, and it, it's it's going to be a very surreal time, and we're going to have a lot of impact on on mental it's health. It's been the most surreal time, hasn't it? When you when you yeah, remembering all these things that have happened in the last four or five months, and then today I went to a local like. Sort of there's a retail part near us and everyone's in masks now which is really good obviously but I looked around and I had that sort of kind of slightly out of body experience going this is like one of those sci-fi movies and if you told me this was happening five months ago it's thing that everyone's walking around in masks I wouldn't have believed you yeah I mean before no one was wearing masks you know there's no sort of social distancing and suddenly it just feels like like an apocalypse and yet so much is going on and and I think there's, there's just so much uncertainty right now and looking at the rest of the world, it's been quite scary. You know, it hasn't gone away. The rates are increasing, and you know, a lot of people are going to be worried. Um, and and especially internationally, you know, we're we're hitting the peak. We're we're still increasing on on cases every day. And I feel children, adults, and, and everyone are going to be so affected by mental health. Absolutely. So you've got three kids. How are you finding them during lockdown? I do, yeah. Uh, as I was saying to you earlier, uh, they've all been around in the house for quite a long time now. And at the beginning, again, that was that was all pretty intense because I'm I work from home. And I'm used to having the whole house myself, and they're all at school. My husband's at work, and suddenly, like everyone, we're all in one space. You know, every day, all day, and um, it was really quite difficult to kind of to make it work and then we kind of got into a routine like I think most of us did and got used to it but 
so it's been hard for the kids because they've just had to be up in their rooms on their own on um, computers I and mean, we've been lucky that they've had access to that and a lot of families have not um, and just trying to keep their motivation up and really feel for them they've really missed you know half a year of their friendships the socializing the the academics I don't worry so much about but it's just that kind of it's just been pulled away from them hasn't it their whole the whole everyday life that they're used to so they've they've coped my two elder girls they've coped pretty well my younger boy um yeah he's he's nine he's found it more challenging and and just trying to get him to focus on homeschool very difficult at that age to get him to do anything for me and that was yeah trying to homeschool your children is like really really tough so if your child came up to you and asked what's going on with the world you know what what's happening i'm worried um is there anything you'd say any tips or advice um, well, they seem very aware of it. I think the, the older two were seeing, you know, Yahoo News popping up on their phones and things. So they seemed very aware. And interestingly, my my twelve year old daughter, she said back in February, she was really worried about it, and she said, you know, we should all be wearing masks. We shouldn't be travelling. And we, to be honest, as adults, were. were bit dismissive of her and I feel bad now she was absolutely spot on because I was sort of saying it's it's not going to get over here to the UK it's the confined to China and she was absolutely right but I think they have ten have taken it in their stride the elder two my younger boy yeah he was scared he was scared to go out of the house because I think he he felt and I, I understand this that as soon as you walked out of the house you would get corona and it'd be very serious so I just tried to tell them that we're all okay, we're all being really sensible, we're all we're all obeying all the rules and we're staying in lockdown and we're, we're in our little bubble at home and just tried to reassure them like that and that did seem to help. I think one of the difficult things for them all is, has been when we've kind of gone back into normal-ish life and then having been so insular, then suddenly being told you can go out now and you can see some friends and that being really quite scary for them because they've been worried and anxious that that is not okay and they've been very concerned about the rules that absolutely following the rules which is great but i think they've been yeah it's because caused a lot of anxiety really and and you're from london and so you know it's been quite hard living in the center it's been one of the worst hit areas and yeah i think i think it is quite scary we're still not out of the woods yet and so we've got to be cautious and and we've got to get out of this okay but yeah you, you've got a nine-year-old and so he must have felt like he was born yesterday Oh, yeah, now he's my baby and he's now nine and a half. I, yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe um, where the time has gone, really. But yeah, so he's not quite so little anymore and, and definitely a lot more aware of, of things. But I can explain things to him in a kind of basic childlike way and he will sort of accept what I say, whereas the, the two elder ones, obviously, you know, are very curious, a lot more questions and they, they have access now to news themselves. So it's having, trying to sort of protect them from that but it's very difficult because they're on their phones a lot, as you know, and these things just pop up all the time, quite some scary news stories often. So it's just trying to, you know, reassure them. I think social media, especially with fake news, has been really bad. It's, it's heightened levels of anxiety. So is there anything you do with your children just to help with that? 
anything to help with their with their mental health? Um, yeah, I do. I do tell them. Always tell them. Don't believe everything you read. And there is a lot of scaremongering going on in the news. And um, to talk to me, the main thing I tell my children always about everything. And it's a the thing behind my campaign is talking. And they must always talk to me or their dad if they're if they're worried about anything. And and we can try and explain it to them, not to keep it inside and just try and deal with it on their own. That we're always there to discuss these things with. And so, so happy in town. Where did that come from? <laughs> Such a great blog, and, yeah. and I've been reading lots of posts recently. You've been in the Huffington Post, and there's lots of articles written oh. about you. Some big celebrities on board yeah, as well. That's been... And I'm jealous of, of, of who you got on board. So tell me about that. How did you get into well, that? Well, I um, I was teaching, and I'd always loved writing, and I was struggling to go back to teaching um, when my kids were they were really quite young, and realised that was just for our family wasn't. The balance wasn't quite working and I've always loved writing so I um, started writing parenting articles, lifestyle articles and Huffington Post picked up a few of them which was amazing and various sort of local um, magazines and then I thought how can I write and just write whatever I want without having to sell these ideas to um, you know magazines. So someone was talking about a blog to me and I had never really to be honest read blogs. I wasn't a blog Fan and, and this friend of mine said, oh yeah, it's great, it's a great way to do it. And I realised that you could have your own platform and I could write for whatever I wanted and I didn't have to sort of run it by anyone, try and sell my idea to anyone. So I started um, So Happy Town because I wanted it to be, obviously the acronym is the, can I say the <laughs> yeah, S-H-I-C? Yeah, okay, because I wanted it to be um, about the highs and lows of life. So the good, the good parts and the not so good parts and the fact that we can all talk about it and share it and we're all in this together especially with parenting I think it can feel a very lonely place when you first have kids and you you know it's all so new to us um so that's where the blog name came about and then I started the campaign um last year I did the first one so I really wanted to raise awareness for mental health and especially for young people having been a teacher and now as a parent so I decided I thought how can I do this I, I knew Young Minds were an amazing charity and I wanted to help them support them what could I do to to do that and I really I just thought well why don't I make a t-shirt and then if people will buy something and then they'll be giving all the money to charities it's 100 percent goes to young minds so i came up with it it's okay to feel s-h-i-t with a play on my blog name trying not to be too you know rude uh and the white t-shirts was the last campaign we raised seven thousand pounds and then this year i decided to go black and i went a lot a lot bolder with the whole slogan and i was bit worried about that but as a friend said to me if people are funny about it they're not really you know getting the whole point behind the the campaign so we've raised ten thousand pounds wow that's a lot of money so how how long is left well i'm kind of just going i've as you said i've I've been very fortunate i've had some great celebrities on board and that's really really helped during lockdown and the momentum during lockdown has been high because as you said everyone it's not just young people everyone has to look after their mental health at the moment and a lot of people have been have been struggling so there's been a lot of support um in the last few months which is which has been great and obviously young minds need our help more than ever right now because they've doubled their volume of calls and, and young people reaching out to them so we're going we're, we're going on and on i don't know i don't know how long but we'll just i'll just keep going till you know yeah i mean it, it is i think it's quite hard to see how 
just the levels of anxiety, depression, you know, coming up during these times. And it's coming to a point where charities are overwhelmed. You know, there's double, triple the calls. And the resources are being used more than ever, but the funding has just dropped off. And the government hasn't been funding, you know, enough money into these charities. And so I think there's a lot of scope for change and it's something that we need do need to work on. And, um, you know, mental health can be can be helped um, by by yourself at home. And, and so how do you see the role of a blog and and your writing experiences? That's, did it help your mental health? Did, did um, anything come from that? Did it help like, me? with my mental health yeah definitely definitely because I had that focus and I find writing a very therapeutic thing so it definitely helped my mental health and a few years ago I wrote a blog post about my own struggles because I was first hit with depression and anxiety attacks in my early 20s and I was not able to talk about it back then at all I didn't feel anyone really understood mental health I didn't really understand it we'd never been told back then that was in the 90s really anything about mental health it had a big stigma attached to it so I a few years ago decided to write this blog post and it was my first sort of this is what happened to me this is my story and I was nervous about doing it um and I remember my mum saying actually oh I don't think you should do it because that generation really didn't talk about anything like that um you're really laying yourself out there and I said but that's the whole point because I really want people to know that it's okay and, and mental health struggles can happen to absolutely anyone so that actually was for me a very kind of um what's the word I guess yeah therapeutic thing to do it really helped me and then so many people contacted me saying who I know saying oh I had we had no idea and I struggled at this time and and all these stories were coming out and you know I can do anything to help even just one person out there feel they can talk then that made it all worthwhile And I think I think the stigma, you know, it's getting better, but it's not there. And you know, I I, I completely agree and, and get how your parents, um, you know, they, they they were like, oh, don't don't talk about it. Same happened with me. You know, I've been running this charity for a while now, and even to this day, sometimes my parents are bits, you know, um, bit bit cautious on <laughs> on talking about it in the public domain. And so. And so that, that stigma does need to be removed and, and what you're doing is amazing. And so how many t-shirts have you sold? Well, I don't know actually the number of t-shirts. So we've made, so the total is £17,000 for Young Minds, which blows me away because the support has been absolutely amazing. People out there have just been phenomenal at supporting and I think they're just so aware that young people really really do need our help more than ever and like you said young minds the donations have just been drying up when they need them the most um so anything we can all do to help um so yeah i'm not sure of the actual number of t-shirts it must be i could work it out but um the amount yeah i thought when i first started doing it if i could make seriously thought if i could sell 50 t-shirts i'd be so happy and then it just kind of grew and grew yeah i mean uh seventy thousand pounds is is an amazing amount of money and I think young minds will, will definitely reach out to you with some with some sort of sort of thanking you, you know, for, for all the work you've been doing. And and so all of this came from your experience with mental health. And and let's go back to your time as a as a teacher. Um, so what did you teach? Did you? Um... I taught primary 
primary children. Primary children. And yeah. I, I think, you know, that's such an important part of their growth and development. And, and how do you see sort of mental health in primary school? I think there's a big stigma still around mental health in primary school, especially in that, oh, people don't want to expose children at too early an age, which I don't really understand when it comes to when it comes to health, um, especially yeah. mental health. Totally agree with you. I feel very strongly that the younger you talk to children, and not in a scary way, not in a kind of oh, you know, it's it's in a negative way at all, in a really positive way. If you just if we start talking to them that we have every single person on this planet has mental health, you know, as soon as they're born, a baby has mental health, as we have physical health, and we talk to them about it like that to try and equip them for when they are older and perhaps they do have some mental health issues that there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing to be ashamed about it's just part of life and if we can start doing that as i don't you know as early as possible i think that will really really help young people i know in schools they're they're starting more mindfulness and they are getting better in primary school but it has yet historically been something like oh no we don't want to talk to young children about but actually depression sadly is is hitting you know really quite young children um so it is something that we we do need to talk to them about and my my little boy well he doesn't like the whole s-h-i-t on the t-shirt he's that age where he thinks that's you know swearing is really horrible which is which is good but um when i explained to him why the slogan was what it is he we started talking about mental health you know in a really positive way and it was a conversation I thought, well, I wouldn't have had that conversation with him. And a lot of parents have said that to me, that the power of a naughty word, really, that the kids have said, how come I'm allowed to have that in my T-shirt or you've got that in your T-shirt? And they said, well, this is what it's all about. And it's opened up these conversations about mental health and families. I think that's so important about awareness is that you need something to sort of spark that conversation. And your T-shirt does that perfectly. You know, people, people do talk about mental health. And, you know, big celebrities have said, their own experiences and I think a lot of people can relate and and I think you know you've grown into, into this great sort of campaign and do you have well, what are your sort of next steps any other ideas that you're going to have any other sort of campaigns yeah I don't people ask me that and I, I, I'm not sure what direction it's all going to and go and I've got various little things in my head at the moment but not nothing sort of not no great plan but I certainly want to just continue like you are doing that just keeping that conversation going as as much as I can in in some way and I don't know what the next step give any ideas let me know (laughs) definitely (laughs) and I think you know there's so much scope now in terms of online celebrities and and ambassador I, th- I think this is something i i was you know it was midnight i'm like okay i've got nothing to do i can't sleep oh let's let's try and email some random people they'll never reply but hey i did it i tried and the next thing you know you get people supporting your campaign and and I th- i'm assuming the same thing happened to you and and you suddenly think oh wow you know it's not yeah. the world isn't as big as you think it is and no that's exactly what happened to me actually exactly the same i just thought well you know what have i got to lose i'll never hear back from them they must get thousands of messages and i'm sure you find the same like nine times out of ten <laughs> yeah. they won't and they won't even see it or they're not interested i don't know for whatever reason but then that one person who does get back to goes, you know what i'd love to support this this is brilliant and then that sort of just takes it doesn't it to another whole all their followers and then it just spreads and i also think with these high profile people that you know, if you've got, for instance, someone like I had this the English rugby player, Joe Marler, and he's a big bloke, big tattoos of, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant guy, um, just really down to earth and, and immediately was, didn't hesitate. I'd love to support. And 
I think obviously in a lot of young people, but at any age, they see someone like him and he's willing to say, you know, I've struggled and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. They go, wow, I never thought someone like that who's so successful would have had any mental health issues. Because we all wrongly think that, don't we? That that no, they're fine, they're per- their lives are perfect, but actually everyone has struggled. And I think that's what how the hyper-profile people really can help. And I think that's the beauty of mental health in that everyone is connected. Um, I think people still have this, you know, misperception of mental health being oh it's something that's wrong with you but realistically everyone has mental health it's something that goes up and down just like physical health and it's something that you can support it's something that you can help and and speaking about that is, is so important and so in terms of in terms of your sort of growth in, in into your role as this mental health advocate and ambassador um, how do you feel about men's mental health you're talking about um, a rugby player and so you know, 75% of suicides are committed by men. And that's a, that's such a big stigma behind men, especially in, in sort of that male toxicity, um, you know, saying, oh, I can't I can't have problems. And I think it is something that's really hard, especially in schools. Um, people are getting forced into this into this perfection um, sort of realm within school. Um, and body dysmorphia has suddenly risen in its rates within schools. And so what do you think about you know, men? Yeah, I think it's, just so 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 vital that we get men and boys realizing that they are human just like the rest of us they are allowed to cry they are allowed to have feelings they are allowed to talk about their feelings they can have really bad days like any of us they don't have to be this you know this kind of historical man up thing that's been awful that people used to talk you know men have to deal with everything men have to be strong men have to look after the family or the yeah it, it's just so, it's been so unfair on men and, and, and the stats are really, really tragic. And actually talking about Joe Marler, then a lot of rugby players have since supported the campaign. And through that, obviously it's, it's still a male dominated game. A lot of people have contacted me saying, you know, I saw Joe Marler or Jason Leonard's post and like, I saw that they were talking about it and I, I have struggled for years or I've never been able to talk about it. And this is the first time I've talked about it. So that feels like, yes, we can, we need to do more. We need to do more to get, to get men talking about it. And I've seen quite a few um, new sort of men, young guys doing podcasts and they sort of all just sitting around chatting over a beer or whatever and just trying to get the conversation going. And as much as, normalizing it for men not making it a big thing so i think from what when speaking to men that that's they need to just feel that it's not like this big thing they have to suddenly talk about they just almost put it into an everyday conversation you know when you say you're right mate they don't have to say yeah yeah i'm fine yeah actually say i'm not i'm actually not fine so yeah i feel passionately about trying to get more and more men talking about it and boys mm-hmm, definitely and so you know you've got you've got a son and and i think you know how does it feel about watching him and his mental health you know a lot of parents you know especially in different cultures are very stigmatized they'll be like oh you know to a young a young child they'll be like oh you've got to act like a man um you've got mm-hmm. to be i think it links into feminism to into sexism as well um yeah what do you see, sort of see the role in your in your parenting what's been different to all the other parents in in sort of the, the sort of unstigmatized nature or yeah nature? well i think because i have 
run the ran the campaign for a couple of years now. My kids are so used to these t-shirts lying around our house the whole time, and I talk about it a lot with them to the point sometimes they're like, "Oh, mummy's mummy's <laughs> going on about it again." But we um, are such an open family, and I'm always saying to them, "It's it's it's okay, however you feel, and please know that you can talk to." talk to us about it and, or talk to your friends or talk to someone you trust if you don't want to talk to us that's the other thing not, sometimes you don't want to talk to your parents do you but you could talk to someone at school that you trust a teacher or a friend and with my son very very aware of saying to him always it's okay to cry it's okay to feel however you feel I think it's helped having does help having two sisters because it, it would just you know there's a lot of female <laughs> so females in the house but um I think, yeah, just, just, I just keep saying to them that it's, it's okay. And every, you know, because children do cry a lot, and I always say to him because sometimes he said to me, I'm, "I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed, I'm crying." It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's actually good to have a good cry. It's really good for your mental health to get it out. So definitely, it's just keeping yeah. the conversation open. And I think having those sort of tools, it's almost like a toolbox, you know. You have it for your, your physical health, you keep running, you keep exercising, you, you watch what you eat. I think the same thing has to happen for your mental health and having those techniques and tips. Any sort of things that you recommend, anything you've tried yourself or you've tried with your, with your kids? Um, well, I find exercise has been like, is my therapy pretty much, I try and exercise every single day now because it really does help my mental health a lot. And even if I haven't done it for a while, I can feel like, feel myself getting a bit, you know, angsty or so that's that's great and I encourage the children to do that as much as possible we talk a lot about the benefits of exercise and, and mental health and physical health obviously as well but um I meditate every day as well because I found in the last few years that's really really helped me just and to concentrate on my breathing and because I still suffer from anxiety attacks but I try to manage them better now with like focusing um yeah on on breathing and kind of not grabbing onto the, the feelings that are coming to me like I used to wrangle with them and sort of try and deal with them and just try and, try and let them float through which is a lot easier said than done <laughs> but um those are the things for me that that really really helped I think I think with anxiety attacks there's, there's a lot of people who jump straight to medication and and like sort mm. of um going straight into into things that are going to stop your symptoms but won't get to the root of the problem and I think there's a lot of things you can do at home and so again one of these ideas of a worry book where you say okay I'm going to set a, set a time you know 20 minutes a day that's that's only when I'm allowed to worry um, and in that time you, you think and, and think about these things but then whenever a thought pops, in, pops up in the day you'll say okay let me leave it for, leave it for that time and so it comes it comes as a sort of tool again you know looking after your yes. mental health in, in different ways and I think actually that's another thing sorry to interrupt that I yeah I've got to say that I did tell my kids as well to to jot things down have a little journal have um there's a happy self journal which is a lovely book but you, you know just to get your own notebook and sort of we talk about brain dumping and I know that has helped them as well definitely and I think that's something we're trying to develop as well sort of a, um, a mindfulness book and sort of helping kids especially think about things I think you know especially in secondary school children get very sort of cringed out or sort of um you know stigmatized towards these mindfulness techniques they're like what's this this is a waste of time i see it especially um at university it's like nothing is important except for the academics you know i've got to go to those revision sessions but the second second there's a lecture on you know mental health or, or psych psychological tips no one turns up and so i think that's something that's got to change too isn't it it's, it's that it's that you know talk, talking about things that that matter um yeah. talking about 
that mental health in in an in an open way and a way that everyone actually understands it. And I think that's 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 how your blog has been so successful. Is that you know it's something that people can read and relate to really well. In that it's in a nice format. It's something that is quite open and friendly. Um, and I think that's where a lot of mental health has got to work towards. I still think the NHS is quite clinical in its in its mental health support. And so, where do you see sort of see mental health going in the next ten years? Well, I really hope we get more. It's part of the curriculum at schools. I think that would be the the, the next step forward. If you, it's just something that children from primary school age are learning about every week in their curriculum, just how they learn about physical education and physical health and um, so I think that would be a great thing and I know that a lot of people are campaigning to try and get the government to include mental health education for, for young people. Um, I definitely think, like you said earlier, the stigma is still there but it is getting smashed away little by little um, and I think hopefully the more, the more of us collectively talking the voice can be powerful and just trying to get the message out there as much as possible that it's it's okay and it's just nothing to be ashamed about but I, I agree I know there's a long way to go in that journey but I hope in 10 years time I hope for my kids when they're grown up the, the stigma just won't be there that it will be something that people can like you could just say to work like you can if you're not feeling well physically actually I'm not I'm really not mentally okay at the moment and I, I, I'm gonna have to take some time of work which at the moment there's that's you know big no-no I think yeah. still and I think I think another thing is that people misuse sort of mental health I've seen it a lot in sort of um, students in that they'll, they'll lie about it and then it will ruin it for everyone else who actually are struggling mm. and 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 you know it's this, it's, it's this whole idea of of um of of trying to use things in the wrong way and I think that I think that that I think it will change in the future. We are going to see better mental health um, in terms of the way we look at it, but the the funding and infrastructure has to increase at the same pace. You know, people can't just be like, okay, yes, I want to talk mental health, but then there's no one to talk to, you. Um, because you know, once the biggest step is actually saying, oh, I think I might need help, but then, yeah. but I think currently it takes so so long for someone to get help, someone to to go through the NHS and actually get to a psychologist. Um, yeah. It is really hard. When you have a child, you know, who's really, really struggling, and you're told by your doctor that you won't be able to see someone for six months, and when that your situation is desperate, you know, that's that's like eternity. So, you know, that has to change. And I heard a story. Um, a parent was telling me that they were told unless their child had actually tried to commit suicide, they would not get put, you know, kind of on the priority waiting list. And you know, that's just really terrible isn't it it's got to change imagine if, if you could never get a gp appointment for you know something that wasn't life or death um it's ridiculous isn't it and mm. and you know imagine you could only you can only go to hospital if you've you know if you're close to dying and i think you know it's it's got to be a political and governmental change but it's got to be our responsibility to push that forward and i think campaigns like ours is it's going to do that yeah. Okay, and so and so I want to move on to like a, a random topic now, and it's I think it's quite important nowadays, in that I think women's mental health um, gets a lot worse during pregnancy now. Um, uh, you know the rates have increased for postpartum and prepartum de- depression, um, and so you know there's there's been a lot of difficulty, especially at this time, because the support is not there. You know you, a lot of people are still having um, 
children. You know, they, they didn't plan for it to happen <laughs> within the pandemic, but um, they're having children and they, they aren't getting the same support. You know, sometimes they can't bring family into into um, into into um, the um, the hospital with them. And so, how do you sort of see um, postpartum and prepartum depression, and any sort of tips you have on mental health during pregnancy? Well, I look back on. Um certainly with my second daughter and I was really struggling after she was born and you get caught in this it's I'm just tired I'm just I've just got you know sleep deprivation it's I'm you know it's fine it's fine it's fine and I remember really struggling and just feeling in a very very low place and the health was still coming to see me and I had to do one of those surveys and you tick the boxes and I was pretty much ticking all the boxes of someone who was really, really needing some mental health support. But I, I didn't feel it sort of almost taking any further. Like there, there was much support there for me. So I know it's an incredibly lonely, dark place to be, and I, I don't think anyone else can understand. Obviously, your partner has no idea what you're going through because their body hasn't been through all the, the stuff you've been through. So. Um, I, I know it's it's a big problem and it's something that I, I there's again a, a campaigners are doing what they can do aren't they trying to get more awareness on on PTSD but I just yeah I I don't know the answer to that one unfortunately I, I it's it's a tough tough time after you've had a baby and it's yeah it's a lonely lonely place and I do remember feeling in a big black hole but also feeling this terrible guilt because you have this new baby and you feel a terrible mother because you, you should be all happy like you see in all the adverts all these glowing mothers and throwing their babies in the air and you're just trying to get literally through each day and yeah it's it's a something that again has to be really really addressed by the government mm-hmm. and I think you know sort of looking at a support network is going to be the best thing at home that um, yes. you know, you're, you're. I think the main thing is knowing that no one's ever alone, um, especially in those times. There, are, there is a lot of support out there. Um, I think now that lockdown, lockdown is lifting, it is getting better. But mm. there's just so much uncertainty at the moment. And so, yeah. how do you sort of see us coming out of this whole pandemic? How do you see mental health changing? I know, I know, it's a bit of a, a big question to ask. I but... think the the positive that's come out of the pandemic is that people are talking about it more because it's affecting every single person on the planet. So I don't think anyone could say they've sailed through lockdown feeling absolutely right as rain every day and healthy mental health. So there's definitely, the conversation I feel has been opened more and to more people um, from, you know, our young people who, young minds have started a campaign, a petition to the government because they're very aware that obviously there's concerns now, but this is going to have a long-term effect on young people's mental health. So they've got a petition going to try and get the government to really take action and get support in schools for, for young people at home and just to, to do more in the long term because they can see that it's not just going to be, as soon as we're out of this, oh, everyone's fine, not at all. It's going to have you know um, long-term effects. So I think it's going to affect a lot of us for, yeah, years possibly um so that really has to be addressed and the more and more we talk about this and the more we try and get that message out that it's okay and 
we're all in this together. That's a massive thing. You never have to feel alone. Even though I know often when you're struggling, you do feel alone. You do feel like everyone else is fine. They're not. And it's, it's yeah, I'm, I, I hope the government take this very seriously and do get this support put in place. And I think I think I think it's it's getting better. I mean, we're we're you know working with a lot of schools to develop their curriculum and looking at mental health tools and, and awareness. There's a lot of preventative medicine we can do as well in terms of giving people um, some more resources to look after their well-being at home. And I think that's what's going to be I think the government's priority. They'll save a lot of money there. And so it's like it's just a very slow system. The whole of the whole government in making change. And I think the fact that charities are doing that is, is really great. And so, um, yeah. So, thank you so much for, for being on this on this little show. I think we've we've touched so many topics and gone a little oh, wor- a worldwide. And thank you for everything you do because with your charity, you just do so much for young people. And like you're saying, in in schools and supporting. And I, I'm very very honoured to be an ambassador. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I think I think you know it's getting ever so more. It's just so much more important now to look at mental health and. Um, I think the school support is going to be so hard right now. You know, there's no contact time. Um, I think next year it's going to be horrific for children. You know, you're going to go into school, you're going to be two metres away from everyone. You're going to have to, you know, be in the same place. It's more likely going to be teachers moving around. And so, yeah, how do you see it as a a sort of a teacher before? Um, How do you think schools are going to work? Have you you spoken to many friends, you know, who've been in the system? Yeah, I have. And I feel that they've done an amazing job because I think it's been incredibly stressful for, you know, the the few class groups that have gone back in the last few weeks. Um, it's been very difficult, I think, to try and keep them apart, to keep them sort of out of the system, as you know, I'm sure, one way around the school and trying to keep them apart at playtime and then um, having to only be in one certain area of the playground and then cleansing the whole school. So I think it's been a really hard job for the teachers and hard for them doing this homeschooling as well because they've probably a lot of them have said it's been twice as hard work trying to prepare these lessons and make sure the children are constantly following the curriculum if that's possible I think that, that, and that's really hard with technology nowadays you know i've got two brothers and they're constantly playing games they're, they're, they're yeah. constantly sort of i think it's changed now in that it's really hard to motivate people um especially during a pandemic and and so yeah. you know on top of that there's job losses on top of that there's yeah. there's grievances and i think I think the other thing that's going to be hard for for some children, I think some children have found not being at school, they found that better for their mental health because perhaps they've not had a great time at school and with bullying or whatever. So the pressure has been off them, having spoken to various parents. But then for other children, school is absolutely their safe place and it's where they get support from teachers and it's, you know, home life is not a great place to be. So that's just been pulled from under them um obviously there's been domestic violence and the things going on in the home so schools obviously there's a sanctuary but i think for all the children it's just going to be really hard isn't it to get for them to go back and it's not school as they know it and i think it's going to be yeah a big test for for all of them yeah i think that's something we'll hopefully see it's, it's been good um in terms of the way we've dealt with it i think school schools will open in september and it's it's going to be a hard time for everyone. I think making sure that people go to the right places, you know, speak up about mental health if you need to, and 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 just get help. I think that's the main thing we can we can sort of tell people. So thank you so much for coming onto this podcast, and thank yeah, you it's, it's been great to sort of talk to you about mental health. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you.